What's going on, guys? You're back with the Real Bodybuilding Podcast. This is episode number 94, I think. It doesn't matter. Anyway, I'm here with Jason Poston. How are you, sir? Good, good. How are you doing, man? Uh, good. I just started the recording without really talking to you beforehand because uh, the real reason I wanted to have you on today was to talk about insulin, and you've had a little bit of a blood sugar drop kind of before this started. Can you turn, hey, can you turn your phone? I don't know if that'll work. Oh yeah, yeah. Just to get more, more of you. There you go. I meant to ask you that. Yeah, let me set this up. Yeah, the start. We kind of started weird because of everything that's going on. So, so tell me what happened. So, I you were supposed to be on at twelve. We're a little late because of uh, blood sugar issues. So, tell me kind of what happened, so people can kind of understand. Yeah, uh, man. Unfortunately, this has been happening more often than the recent years. Um, which is a lot to discuss. I changed my medication protocol. So I changed my insulin protocol, right? Yeah. This thing out better, man. Up and in. So what can we, before you start, can you tell everybody, are you a type, what you're type one diabetic? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm type one diabetic, Okay. insulin dependent, autoimmune um, is the source, uh, autoimmune disorder. So a lot of people, First off, most people don't know the difference between type one and type two. I'd assume most people that watch your podcast do. But still, when I was diagnosed, I didn't know the difference. I was like, wait, I'm not fat. I can't be diabetic. And then I'm like, oh, okay. So there's, they shouldn't even be called can the you, same name. Can you clear up for people? Let's just, let's just pretend whoever's watching doesn't know anything. What's the difference between type one and type two? Type one is uh, insulin dependent. All right. So you either produce no insulin or you produce so little that you need insulin. Uh, you need a synthetic insulin made by a pharmacy. Right. So you have to inject insulin pretty much every single meal. Okay. Um, and, and more than that. And then type two is most common, a, a lifestyle um, disease. It, it's uh, they will tell you genetic. It's not. That's a that's false but uh, maybe some people are more genetically susceptible to it but yeah. really you can avoid type 2 with uh proper eating patterns and proper okay. healthy lifestyle so i'm stuck with it type 2 is preventable yep um and so yeah that requires me to take insulin morning and night um in a in a basal dose all right okay. and i'm gonna ride your viewers like i'm talking a little slow right now we'll probably okay. pick up as because i'm coming out of a, a well, that's, crazy let's, low yeah let's tell everybody what happened so i messaged you and you said you had a blood sugar drop so how does that how does that happen what happens there i mean i was fine I had my breakfast this morning and then um, my blood sugar started to climb and to be honest, this time it was my fault. It's completely my fault. It, yeah. this, you can't blame it on di diabetes this time. You can't blame it on type one. So my insulin was climbing really high to an unhealthy level. It reached over 200. Okay. So in, in, in um, North America, we read healthy blood sugar is 80 to 120. So I climbed all the way up to 200, which is a rate. It's, it's not healthy. You start producing ketones. You don't absorb as many nutrients. You start to become dehydrated. You can start to piss out a lot of your water and become dehydrated. So when it hits 200, I immediately want to bring it down. Well, I brought it down with a drug called Simlin. All right. Not just insulin. So I brought it, I, I hit the insulin. I inject myself to bring it back down so I can get on the phone call and not be having to rush to go pee while we're on a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But the Simlin 
is not insulin. It's actually a drug made for chemo patients okay. and it will, chemo patients become extremely insulin resistant from the chemotherapy. Yeah. Like they can become a diabetic while they're getting chemo. Okay. Um, but the benefit of this drug is it can bring down your blood sugar without using insulin, which okay. when you use insulin, you become insulin resistant. So basically the more I'm pinning myself and using insulin all the time, like, Oh yeah, yeah. it's all, I become yeah. insulin resistant. Okay. And that's bad. We don't yeah. want that. Yeah, of course. Because it, yeah, then I have to go low carb for maybe a day, two days, maybe up to three days in order to get my insulin sensitivity back. Okay. So, so forgive me. Forgive me. This is a stupid question, but I'm probably going to ask a lot of them in this during this podcast. But how do you get your insulin sensitivity back if your body's not producing insulin? Like it's confusing to me, right? Because if you're not producing your own insulin, why does the sensitivity or resistance matter to you? You can control. My- all- don't you control it all synthetically anyway? That's a great question. Well, <clears throat> I get my sensitivity back to the synthetic insulin. So not my own body's insulin sensitivity, uh, which I think there is a tiny, tiny amount. Like you can do in-depth tests and they can they can test my blood and, and see how much insulin I'm producing. And I forget the measurement, to be honest, but it's mm-hmm. like basically nothing. It's like, yeah. I mean, I, if I didn't have insulin, my blood sugar would climb so high, even if I didn't eat. Mm-hmm. It would climb high and it could possibly put me in a coma, right? Okay. But um, yeah, so my daily regimen is to remain sensitive to the synthetic insulin. Okay. So the Humalogs, the Fios, the Apedras, the yeah. Novolog. Um, okay. You know, so that's that's why I use the Simlin, but the Simlin shot me down so hard. It, it, it drops blood sugar. At like a crazy, almost un, at a dangerous rate. Yeah. A lot of diabetics won't touch it, but I kind of got, I can handle it. Yeah. But in this case, I overdid it and it shot me down. I was just sweating in my bathroom, like texting you like, Hey man, I'm be late. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I had to change my clothes and everything because my shirt was all drenched in sweat. I've, I've been there. I've, I've been there for, for my own stupid reasons. Um, so how do you, okay. What did you do to get your blood sugar to the 200? Like, what did you do wrong for breakfast? Man, is there there something you, is there something that's what what pisses me off? It was just a cup of oatmeal, but is it something different than you've done before? Or just doesn't, you can't necessarily always gauge how it's going to react. I can't gauge it this year. This 2020 in the beginning of this year has sucked. It's because the, the health coverage in the United States has gotten so shady with top tier drugs, like the good drugs that yeah. elite fitness people and bodybuilders need. Like if you're a type one diabetic and you want to be a pro athlete, call it even a high school, you need top tier drugs. You don't need the, the Walmart special insulin mixture stuff. It just doesn't work as well. That's for like old people who barely move. So forgive me. This is another stupid question, but so is Humalog, Humalog is a brand name or is Humalog a type of insulin? Humalog is a type of insulin. So is all Humalog equal or is it, it's like you, when you say the Walmart brand, it's I'm a saying, brand. I know, but Humalog I'm saying like, brand. but I'm saying like, you're saying the top tier drugs. So I'm in, I guess people would say, isn't insulin insulin or is there like, that's yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, you, yeah, it's great questions. I mean, that's because to me it's like, yeah, this is, I live with it every day, but no Humalog is like Nike. Or okay. Under Armour. All right. Yeah. So um, there's a manufacturer that makes Humalog, right? Like there's a manufacturer that makes supplements. Yeah. yeah. So 
they make Humalog and Humalog is the most reliable that the most people use, but it's not necessarily the top tier insulin because it acts a little slower. So I prefer newer drugs. Um, They're, they're more uh, efficient as far as less water retention. Yeah. They react super quick in the body. Like the one I just showed you earlier, this one, Fios. Yeah. This one reacts in three minutes. It's the fastest acting insulin there is besides inhalable insulin. Yeah. And so this one is, is better uh, for me, in my opinion, than like Humalog. Humalog, I've, I think it's eight minutes. Maybe. Okay, but so Humalog is, if correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't it last like four hours in the body? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it can last four hours, but this is where it gets crazy. It also depends on the person's metabolism, depends on how active they are, depends okay. on how hydrated they are, depends okay. on how much sleep they're getting. So it, it, that's why insulin is such a controversial yet interesting drug because it's all different. It reacts different in, in, in different people's bodies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Humalog is uh, the old like general guideline. And that's what I was saying. Like, that's why it was crazy from this morning because I lost a drug, a pill that I was taking. So yeah. I am very like off pattern. You know, like that's what doctors tell me. They're like, oh man. And they find it interesting because like I do my own insulin protocol different from what they recommend, but yet most of my doctors end up kind of adopting what I do anyway. And in fact, my doctor has two type one diabetic sons and he uses my protocol. So, so why do you, why do you do your own protocol and where did you get it from? You just, was it trial and error? No, it was, um, It was a little bit of trial and error. So like the first year I was just trying to wing it, you know, and actually got my pro card and like really not knowing what I was doing in in physique. I got my pro card in physique, you know, um, but uh, I learned everything as far as like off pattern insulin use from Colette Nelson. Colette Nelson uh, was the first type one diabetic female pro. And she was also the first IFE pro to make it to the Olympia as a type one. Yeah. So um, she taught me, like, I, I got my pro card without her, but I was like 300. My blood sugar is 300 on stage. Like, I was so unhealthy and dehydrated, not because of diuretics, but because of, like, um, just high blood sugar. Yeah. So she, she taught me this whole, it, it's not like it's crazy. It's not like it's a science project. It's just that yeah. use top tier drugs stay up to date with new medication that's coming out um, because doctors most likely they just want you to stay in the the system that they know and it's a lot of old school yeah drugs decades old and um, so when I help people I teach them the same thing much more conservative like I don't teach them you know we don't want them crashing right before they go to work or doing something like this. So yeah, I don't yeah. recommend Simlin to a lot of people because of that reason. They need to know, uh, yeah, it can't kill you straight up. It's reality. Yeah. yeah. But um, so I want to tell people before we go on, we've already alluded to it. We kind of jumped right into the, to the, to the interview, but so Jason is a top tier men's physique competitor. Are you retired fully now or no? Yeah, I think so. Um, so, so your best placing at the Olympia was third. Yeah, third place. Okay. So you're an Olympia level men's physique competitor who's now semi-retired. We'll say that. 
Is that yeah. fair? <laughs> yeah. Watching your back guys don't help. You know, you, you, you <laughs> I, got so many inspiring people on here, you know. Dude, trust me, doing my podcast doesn't help. I'm trying to fucking retire. These guys keep fucking pulling me back. Um, no, uh, okay. So I think the the interesting thing is there's so much to talk about with insulin, but one, I, I think there's people out there I get messages from that are diabetics and they, they, first thing they ask me is, is it possible for me to be a bodybuilder from diabetic? And I don't know what the answer is because I don't know enough about it. So that's kind of why I, w- I wanted to bring you on and say, look, you made it to the very top, um, being a diabetic. So what is, what is holding them back and what did you do to kind of overcome anything that might've been in your way to kind of turn pro? and get to the very top of the game? You know, first thing is you have to know your food. I mean, as a bodybuilder, as competitor in general, you need to know your, your macronutrients. Um, it, it is, it blows my mind how some people are actually pretty damn, you know, high up in bodybuilding and yet they kind of just eat whatever because they have yeah. such amazing genetics. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, man, if you understood how food assimilates and how the blood sugar response in food you would be an, an even better bodybuilder, you know? So I was always interested. It was kind of like a, one of those things where you know, I always had an interest in bodybuilding anyway. And I just had assumed, you know, I'll never be successful at it because of my genetics. Yeah. And I was, you know, natural uh, up until I was 30. So I went the sport route, fitness, you know, I love fitness, but I mean, I still had, I had every magazine there was with Jay and Flex, Ronnie. I mean, I'm here in Dallas, Texas. So I grew up watching yeah. Branch, Johnny, had college classes with Johnny Jackson. Yeah. And uh, in PE, like college PE, <laughs> which you know is a joke. Yeah. Johnny, yeah. Side, side story here. Johnny, like in PE in college, it was hilarious watching him load up every amount of weight on the bar. And this is right <laughs> when he was powerlifting too. So he was yeah. just turning into a bodybuilder. Yeah. And he was just like this spectacle in college PE, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> the biggest traps ever. And that was my first like bodybuilder that I met that was pro. Yeah. I'm like, okay. But so anyways, like I, I got interested in bodybuilding whenever I turned type one at 30 okay. years old because I, I had researched so much. I'm like, Oh, I get to use insulin now. Like, okay, wait, sorry. I had to stop you. So you, you turned type one diabetic at 30. Yeah, it was 30. So it just, yeah. it's, so just something that happened genetically. You said it was autoimmune. So it wasn't anything you did to cause it. Yeah, no. I mean, okay. I, that's the first thing you want is answers. And I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't get any. They just said, they said genetic. And I'm like, well, there's not a history of any type ones in my family ever, but yeah. we'll, we'll call it genetic, whatever it was, since we can't we don't know. I have my speculations, but, um, it, it wasn't, I, I searched around. I mean, I, I drank a lot of alcohol on the weekends in my twenties. Like I wasn't like an alcoholic or anything like that, but I was your party guy. Yeah. I was always a trainer and nutritionist, but on my weekends, man, I went out with my friends. I was like the football beer drinking, watching, you know, I did the same thing. Beer <laughs> bonging. Like, <laughs> <laughs> upside down or no, you ever do upside down uh, beer bongs? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the keg stands and all that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I thought that that was my first question. Well, can I drink myself into type one diabetes? Like, man, you would have to be a severe alcoholic to, yeah. to completely kill your pancreas. So they didn't have any answers. So I was like, okay, 
maybe bodybuilding is for me now because I don't know how to manage my blood sugar as a basketball player. I played a lot of flag football and softball and soccer. So I was playing all sorts of different sports and I had to stop it because my blood sugar crashed every single okay. time. Okay. So bodybuilding was where I fit in. It was like, okay, I'll sit and pump, sit and lift. I did notice an increase in strength too, like coming from being, you know, natural to now only being on insulin. Yeah. I noticed like I was like, after eight weeks, I was like, man, all my lifts are going up. I was eating absolutely perfect. Yeah. But that, that, that was like, you know, your question was like, Hey, how did, how does one get started as a type one diabetic and competing? It's just like, well, I ate the same thing every day. Yeah. I researched bodybuilding diets. I mean, I was already a nutritionist, but I didn't know how to eat like a bodybuilder, but yeah. I, you know, read stuff like from people like you and, and people who publish articles. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to have to go low carb but let me just eat the same thing every day and see if I can control my blood sugar. Yeah. There was, there was no goal like, Oh, I'm going to go be a bodybuilder right now. It's just like, let me see if I can put on muscle. So why, so why was your blood sugar? Was your blood sugar more stable while bodybuilding just because it's less active? Like you're not doing as much running and like, why couldn't yeah. you play any other sports? It was just too much for your. To the rate, it, the rate at which you burn glucose is just okay. so much faster with athletics okay um it, it, in the bodybuilding world i mean we could do the same thing me and you could do giant sets with yeah. only a, a minute rest in between each giant set and yeah. probably get the same effect mm -hmm. so in the bodybuilding world i think like guys don't reach that i don't think they ever reach your anaerobic threshold right mm -hmm. we're a high heart rate but they do burn uh, a, a lot of glucose but it's only like when they're cutting it's only like yeah. those last weeks it you know depends on the guy's metabolism but for me it was just it was more simple because i have such a fast metabolism yeah. that i could just you know do a set and rest do a set and rest whereas before i mean i was almost trained like a crossfit athlete uh like a cross training like everyone i don't get into crossfit too much because like yeah. i was just doing a lot of exercises back to back yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was training for performance. Yeah. And that didn't work anymore with diabetes. So you started bodybuilding at 30, is what you're saying, pretty much. Pretty much, man. I'm all over, I'm all over the place. But I, I when I was 27, I did win a like a fitness model contest. So it's like, it sounds to me like you did some weight training, but you got serious about bodybuilding at 30. Would that make sense? Yeah. Like that pro card, you know, when I when I found out physique was an option. Yeah. I was like, boom, done. I've won fitness model contests before. <laughs> so let me actually give this a hundred percent. I'm kind of stuck with diabetes forever. So yeah. let me use this insulin because I had read that, you know, bodybuilders could get yeah. big. Yeah. So my preconceived misconception was I'm going to get as big as Fouad. <laughs> like that like, <laughs> yeah i'm gonna get as big as phil yeah. i'm gonna get as big as like all yeah. these dudes quick because yeah. i get i get prescription insulin now well yeah. it, it kind of was cool i mean maybe i gained 10 pounds yeah you know and but i i didn't get massive like you know the hulk you know i mean yeah so you did some you, you did some uh fitness model competitions in your 20s yeah yeah how many honey honey rambod that was a big deal. like i didn't know actually no i did know who honey rambod was yeah um so the europas did you i think you did did you do the any europa shows yeah i did 2000 if you're talking about your 20s maybe the 2008 and 9 
Yeah, in Dallas? <clears throat> yeah, 2008 Europa, I took third. I qualified. That was my first yeah. qualification for the Olympia. Oh, hold on. Did you, uh, you might have saw that one? Oh, no, that was later on. No, I, I never competed at a show with Kai, I don't think. Who, who won the 2008 Dallas? Uh, Dennis James, I think, or Tony Freeman, one or the other. Oh, wait, wait. To yeah, I think Tony Freeman won. Yeah, I think it was Tony Freeman. Because I think that was the year I won the fitness model contest at that same show. So there oh, was yeah? no physique yet. Yeah, they yeah. had the men's like hot body fitness model contest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. That's cool. Yeah, you could win. Yeah, 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 you guys were because there there was no bikini, there was no men's physique yet. No, not then, no. But they had these little exhibition things when so I won five hundred bucks. Yeah. And what's funny, all the guys wore board shorts, right? Yeah. And I was the only guy who wore like classic physique. The little I shorts. My, I wore underwear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was the only guy. And like people were saying, uh. like, dude, you can't wear your underwear up there. I was like, it says hot body fitness model contest. Like, I gotta show my legs. <laughs> I was like, I gotta show my legs. Yeah. And I was the first, and that's what's funny, is like they hadn't even talked about men's physique yet, but here they were doing, and the board shorts are already like this discussion. And I was the one like wearing black, almost classic style underwear. Yeah. And I won the whole thing. It was like 80 dudes and I won. And Hani Rambod was the judge. Okay. Um, yes. He was with BSN back then. Yeah. Yeah. And if you won, you got one year of coaching with him and like 500 bucks in a contract with BSN. That's fucking pretty good. Yeah. It was so cool. They flew me to New York and, you know, did you I thought I was big time, but. <laughs> <laughs> did you did, work with honey uh honey <laughs> like kind of straight up since we're since you're so honest on your show yeah honey was so cool we ended up going out and partying that night and phil was there too like I, yeah. I i worked at a club too so i got him into the club yeah free drinks vip all that yeah and uh but honey never would answer my questions that i wanted answered like i wanted to know about gear no, I okay. want to know about steroids. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't yeah. need him to send me like what rice to eat and what, how much chicken <laughs> I was a nutritionist. Like, yeah. Or yeah. he was with BSN. So like he sent me this cookie cutter diet with all like take BSN weight gainer three times a day, oh, and take Atrofex and take synthesis. And like, and then it was like, I was like, no dude, I want to know like what's what type of test and what type I was yeah. asking him the same yeah. thing that guys pound me with. Yeah, and he wouldn't yeah. answer any of it, so I basically didn't utilize him. <laughs> I wonder if it's because he was like tied up with BSN. He didn't want to make them look bad. You know what I mean? Like it's different because yeah. the whole thing is a combat. Like it was a it was a prize where they're all connected. Yeah, so maybe he felt like he was we've, representing BSN. We've talked about it many times. We I've never asked him like, "Hey, why didn't you answer me?" He probably just didn't. Yeah, he probably didn't have time. He was super busy back if, then too. If you want the truth, I worked with him for like two years, <clears throat> and. uh he he never liked talking about gear that much. Like we didn't really like, we didn't really delve into like how much gear to take. And he would give like little hints here and there. And yeah, he he. I don't know. I think it's just not his favorite thing. Not that he doesn't know yeah. about it. I just yeah. don't think he's like. You know what I mean? But he um, did save my ass one time though. Why? And he did help me with gear. Well, my dumbass was we were shot that documentary the perfect physique i don't know if you even saw that no like, no what's that it was a net it was a netflix documentary documentary when physique first came out with me jeremy buendia sadiq uh a couple other guys oh is there uh, a bunch of men's physique guys on the cover of it yeah 
yeah. think I've seen it on Netflix. Okay. okay. Greg Plitt. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, the late Greg Plitt was kind of the star of it. Okay. And what it was is just comparing like men's physique guys versus fitness model guys, like okay. kind of who our lifestyle, how we got into it. Yeah. And um, it was cool. Like I helped, you know, cast it. I helped the uh, sponsorship of that. But anyways, so while on that documentary, I had a, I had a show the next week after we filmed that. Mm-hmm. So ever, nobody else was dieting except yeah. for me. Yeah. And they're, you know, Sadiq and Jeremy and all these guys, they're eating pizza and drinking wine and making s'mores. Yeah. I'm the grumpiest dude on the documentary yeah. <laughs> because I'm like, I got a show a week after, like I was basically peak week. Yeah. And so I was taking, Oh God, it's the first time I'd ever taken uh Anadrol. Okay. <laughs> and so because because I was keto and low carb, yeah, I had a local bodybuilder guy here, Max. I think you know Max, right? Max who? Oh, Max. I know Max. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know Max. So Max always helped me out here and there with different stuff. And he was like, "Man, I wonder, you know, since you're you have to be keto, I wonder if you take something that could fill you out. I wonder if it would even give you know have the water retention effect." Yeah. And so it was working. I was much fuller. It almost looked like I had carbs, Yeah. but it definitely put a lot of water on me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sitting there on the, on the cat, you know, the set of this film, right. There's like 50 people everywhere, like in this massive mansion. And I pull honey to the side. I was like, dude, it's like, man, I'm holding so much water. I got to show like, like what I've never helped this much water. He's like, man, it looks like you're just extra. Like you look more, way more bloated than I've ever seen you. Yeah. you know and he was like what are you taking i said oh this this and this and anadrol he's like dude drop the anadrol he's like what are you doing he's like you're eight days out from a show yeah i was like well i don't know this and that. so i dropped yeah. it i was holding like literally like 15 20 pounds of water yeah i yeah. dropped it and boom i ended up winning the show yeah like, yeah that's a thing uh, that's a uh, that i never did that that kind of it's like different circles did different shit and uh some of the guys like to do in the anadrol at the end because it filled them out. I never, I was had your problem is I would get watery as fuck. So I'm like, I never did it. Yeah. So when you started, <clears throat> when you went, when you went from uh, fitness model shows to men's physique and when you became a diabetic and you were using insulin and you're like, okay, insulin's going to make me huge. Did you start using anabolics at the same time or was it soon after that? Or how did, where, where did the anabolics start? It was like a, a staggered effect. And that was important to me. I didn't want to just jump in and be unhealthy. Yeah. Um, also, I I was worried that some stuff could really hurt me. So yeah. I was, nobody had any answers for me. Nobody could direct me. And I had people that were extremely knowledgeable. Um, Ronnie's guru, Herman. Uh, Herman did a lot of stuff for Ronnie. I mean, I was in the same gym as these guys. And he didn't know. He's like, man, I don't know. And he would try to throw stuff at me like, no. So my first show was natural. Okay. And then after that, and I placed top five in this new thing, you know, physique is, they don't even know how to judge it yet. But they said, listen, you got a really good look. Like from all these meetings we're having nationwide and all these conference calls are saying like, you're the type of look that we want. I was like, okay, so maybe feel comfortable, but the bodybuilder friends told me like, listen, dude, you're not, you're not going to go pro if you don't get on something. Yeah. And so, you know, some guys I think could genetically can do it. Not many, but I definitely wasn't one of those guys. So 
um, I got on like testosterone and Anavar for my first show that I won. And that was okay. it. Yeah. Just testosterone and Anavar. It didn't, it didn't affect your doing the gear even just a little bit. Did, did it affect your insulin use or your, your diabetes at all or no? Not those compounds. Okay. Now later, later on it would. Yeah. Other, other compounds, but testosterone will improve, uh, I don't want to like say improve diabetes, but it proves the rate in which you burn blood, blood glucose. So okay. you, you can lower your blood sugar and have a healthier A1C score. The A1C is the most important score. It's the coating of red yeah. blood cells or the coating of sugar around the red blood cell. So diabetics have kind of, That's kind of like your long-term, your A1C is your long-term blood sugar score. 90 right? day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 90, okay. Which is what people look at blood sugar right now. Yeah. It's like, no, what is the average of the last 90 days? Yeah. That's the A1C score. That's more important. Okay. Um, so as a diabetic, your main purpose is to just always try and stay within a certain range, right? So when you're eating, is there anything you can eat? Is there a diet that you can do where you can still grow as a bodybuilder and still keep it stable and use very little, very little insulin? Or is it, okay, let me rephrase the question. So <clears throat> most bodybuilders, when they're trying to get big or put on muscle, they're going to eat a ton of carbs, right? So if you're a diabetic and you're eating, you know, 50 to hundred grams of carbs per meal, is this going to make your life hell? Like you're going to be injecting a ton of insulin with every meal. Are you doing 10 IUs with every meal? Is that how it works? Or is there a, a better way to do it? Yeah. If you try to do that, most likely, like we said earlier, your A1C score is going to be terrible. Yeah. So you're, you're not going to hold as much muscle or you're not getting, screw screw even thinking about muscle yeah. like if you're, if you're trying to eat like 100 grams of carbs every single meal and you don't have the expert we'll just say like the expert knowledge that i do starting off you're just you're literally never going to be a good bodybuilder you're not even going to be a good <laughs> you're not going to be, be a good uh anything <laughs> like you can't think right that's why i couldn't do this podcast i can't go on if i literally can't talk and can't think right like you ask yeah. me a question i'm like like literally can't even answer. So, but I'm saying like, if, if is the, the equation is, is a single, is a single IU for every 10 grams of carbs. Right. So I'm like, if I'm you and I'm like, okay, I can't. And I'm, I'm obviously simplifying this. So I'm just trying to get a figure, yeah. trying to go in a certain direction. So if I'm like, okay, I want to take in 500 grams of carbs a day, break it down for five meals, hundred grams of carbs per meal. I'm just going to do 10 IUs of insulin per day. Why does it matter what my A1C score is? If, I'm already a diabetic anyway. Um, because your <clears throat> insulin sensitivity can vary day to day. It can vary throughout the day. You know what I'm saying? So you might, you might sit down and have a hundred grams of carbs, but that doesn't mean you're only going to need 10 units of insulin. Oh, depending you could on the have, day. you could have poor, you could have very poor insulin sensitivity and you could have to take 30 units of insulin for oh. that same. Okay. So that's what happens. The scale starts to slowly get worse and worse to where, yeah, day one, you ate 500 grams of carbs. Yeah. You had a little slip up. You went out of your ranges. Yeah. But day two, your insulin sensitivity is going to be worse. So now you're going to use, we'll just say, like you said, basic twice as much insulin. Yeah. Day yeah. three, three or four times as much insulin. Okay. The next thing you know, you're literally not even absorbing any of those carbs. So that's why a lower carb lifestyle is good at the beginning okay and that's where i leave people is to start off 
even even keto sometimes and then increase carbs steadily until you start to figure out you know how when, when to have carbs yeah and also how many you can have like what's your magic number like yeah my magic number that i can have in a day is different than another person yeah it does okay now i think it finally makes sense to me what the insulin sensitivity means sorry it took me a while to grasp but <clears throat> i get it now so is there a way to do it where what if somebody did like a carb cycling diet where they were doing like well i'm going to do 500 grams on monday but i'm going to do less the other days could they keep themselves could they keep their ins- insulin sensitivity high that way yeah they could but it's just it's not given it's not guaranteed it's not it's you can't just say that because you had low carb on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday was a moderate amount of carbs. There's no guarantee that Thursday you're going to be able to load a bunch of carbs. Yeah. If you don't have the proper medication, if you, you've, you've got to stay hydrated. So yes, I love carb cycling, but like you have to really be there for these diabetics when shit hits the fan like when when it when things go wrong you need to tell them what to do because um like like for instance if i was going to carb cycle Mm -hmm. in this situation you're talking about and we were gonna start loading carbs thursday like a high carb day i probably still wouldn't have a ton of carbs in the morning okay because in the morning not only am i but you are insulin resistant in the morning as well okay you know um, most people are okay. more insulin sensitive at night. Really? And yeah, that's why I've always oh. explained to people, mo- almost every dude you talk to, I mean, we're talking like gym bros here. Like why, wh- when do you get the best pump during your workout during the day? Like, well, nighttime workouts, I'm like vascular and veiny. Yeah. Like most guys are a little bit, more, have a better pump after like four or 5 PM workouts. Yeah. And they wonder why. And from, I mean, honestly, this, we, we could talk to, um, you know, a, a endocrinologist about this or somebody, you know, that's a doctor, but for me, diabetes showed me that, okay, I'm so I'm, I'm much more insulin sensitive at night. So I have a better glucose response, um, at night. And that's why I'm more vascular, more veiny. Okay. So this is a, this is actually brings me to a good point. So let's talking for just regular people who aren't diabetics. That what you're saying is true for everybody, right? It's not just for diabetics. I believe so. I believe so. Okay. So most, most coaches that I've talked to or had on the show, their day goes like this carbs in the morning and they go down as you go. Right. Cause you don't need them at night. You have them around your workout you might work out after meal two or three and then meal four, five, six, your carbs tend to drop off and your fats tend to go up throughout the day. They're very low in the morning and they tend to climb and they get the highest, maybe your last meal. So what you're saying kind of throws that all at the window. So what you're yeah. saying is I should have my carbs like after meal three, like meal three, four, five, six should be like higher and higher. Yeah. It's crazy. But I, I do, I would have, before diabetes, I wouldn't have said that, yeah. but, um, it, in a perfect world. So not everyone because of their lifestyle, work, family, job, whatever, 
mind, maybe their mind doesn't like working out at night. Maybe like to get it done because they fight laziness and they tend to quit on their workouts after two, 3 PM. That's That's me. That's how I am. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think it comes with age too. Like when you go, you know, when we were younger, pounding midnight workouts, I didn't give a shit. Like, okay, I'll work out at midnight (laughs) now. You're right. Actually, it's true. Cause I, I used to train at like eight o'clock in the afternoon, like in the evening. And, uh, I didn't care. And now I'm like, after two o'clock, I'm like, okay, it's fucking late. Like, can I get to the gym already? So which yeah. makes you wonder like about Jay, like Jay Cutler. He's yeah. been working out at night for a long time. I know on expos he works out in the morning, but like, but I he's think he's always worked out late at night, but I think for him it's different. I think if somebody was going to bother you every five minutes, yeah, you'd want to go and like nobody was around. For him, for him, it's probably a, a logistical thing. Um, or, or maybe he knows his insulin sensitivity. Right. Better <laughs> and Phil trains at night too. Yeah, but Jay's a bad example because I know Jay has like 100 grams of carbs for breakfast. So I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, no, it's interesting. I mean, in a vacuum, uh, um, avoiding all those other uh, <clears throat> variables, I wonder if that would work, like it keep you leaner. So that kind of leads me to my next question. And I, I do want to go back to your history and talk about your competitive history. But one of the things I noticed in your Instagram, because I, I follow you, is you're fucking lean all the time. Is that we, we still have some to cover on insulin, too. But this is just a question I had to ask. Are you on your diet all the time or have you just figured out when you could cheat, when you can't cheat? Or is the insulin helping you stay lean or like because I figured somebody that was diabetic and had to take insulin. And this could be my own like wrongful thinking, but would be heavier, would have a harder time staying lean. And you seem to be in great shape all the time. So is it genetic? Is it because you figured it out? Or is it because of being diabetic? It's funny. Like, so people have said that I'd never feel that way. I never feel like I'm in shape. Um, Oh, that's because you're crazy like the rest of us. But in in actuality, you're probably, (laughs) you're in great shape. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of, I know how the the mind of a lot of guys like us feel. And, um, but you know what it is there, there's so many variables to, to answer that question and you know it is something that i have asked myself what i'd say the first thing is genetics yeah. um because my mother had abs so she was 50 and never hardly worked out a day in her life okay you know yeah. she's yeah. just super rail thin i'm also american indian yeah so american indians tend to i think have be pretty lean uh, all the that side that tree in my family is all very lean okay abs my son one of them i have two twin boys yeah one is like my wife's genetics he's plump and a normal baby one literally has abs like he's two (laughs) and he lifts up his shirt and says abs and they're they're twins yeah how are you gonna explain that to them and they're older one's gonna be shredded one's gonna be (laughs) (laughs) one's gonna be a linebacker and one's gonna be running back or receiver i don't know like whatever (laughs) well There's, there's benefits. We'll, we'll explore the benefits of, of both types of bodies, you know? Yeah. So, so genetics one, are you, are you very strict with your food at home? Like when you're eating, like on a daily basis? Yeah, but I don't realize it. I, I'm okay. in my own world. I don't realize it until yeah. maybe I start hanging out with more people. And now my wife has kind of acclimated to my style eating too. Yeah. Yet she doesn't stay as lean. Right. But yeah. Um, 
it's funny. Like you get in your own world, you get in your own patterns. You don't realize how you're different, Mm -hmm. but I do eat pretty clean. And also I'm forced to because of type one. So all the, like the people that I help with, with their diabetes, they don't eat as clean as me and they have more body fat. Yeah. But um, if I were to let go of myself and start to get away from how meticulous I am with my blood sugar, um, I would probably, you know, be using a lot more insulin, be storing a lot more fat, be holding a lot more water. Um, but also, man, I train, I love to train like five, six days a week. Yeah. Yeah. I do fasting cardio every single morning to improve, you know, try to help improve my, my, uh, sensitivity in the morning. Yeah. Um, it's just a habit. I walk, I do, I mean, every morning is some type of activity mm-hmm. and, um, I don't, I don't eat a lot of cheat meals. You know, I don't, um, when I was training and trying to get bigger for classic physique, I added in a lot more dense calories. And I saw for the first time, I like started to see like, okay, kind of starting to lose abs a little bit, Yeah. but I really have to eat so much. Like just for maintenance, I eat like 4,200 calories. Wow. That's actually a so, lot, man. How are you eating 40 4,200 calories? If you're, you're, I'm assuming your carbs are pretty low, right? Cause you're trying to keep yourself pretty stable or your carbs high throughout the day okay so like they're high for me i would I mean, say okay like, what's what's a daily what would be a daily average you think for carbs like are you taking in 300 grams 500 grams well yeah 350 to 400 okay that's not low that's pretty good yeah it, it didn't used to it, it's been that way for a few years now <laughs> mm-hmm. um ever since i wanted to climb up to classic that's when i like all right i'm trying to i'm gonna do everything in my power to eat carbs and stay healthy. Okay. You know, so it took me like a year of failure. And then, and that was like 2018, 2019, 2020 is when I really figured out the right medications and the right, like having to do fasted cardio. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of factors that go into me being able to eat more carbs, yeah. but the, what's the minute that I have issues, I take it like tomorrow. If I had issues all day today, tomorrow would be like, 50 grams of carbs lower carb day yeah. yeah yeah so i just take it all away start back from square one um so it's interesting you said that because you know one of my like one of my original questions was can somebody become a pro bodybuilder if they're type 1 diabetic and i know there i think there is some so i know i know it's possible but i mean more on average so you're saying it took you a couple years just to figure out how to eat more just to put on muscle so do you think you could ever get to the point let's say your genetics allowed it. Could you get to the point where you could eat, where you could figure out where your body could eat what you need to eat to be an open pro bodybuilder? Or is that not really in the cards for somebody of type one? Man, I hate to say no, because I think there is maybe somebody who gets diagnosed like I did, but they have bigger genetics. Yeah. Like they have, they're just naturally a bigger person. Yeah. They might have a better shot, but for me, I know, I think I could have been maybe a decent, um, I don't know, maybe won a small show at classic. That's probably the biggest I could have ever got. And the reason being is because I can't also, I also, I can't take growth hormone. So I'm a big fan of growth hormone. I love growth hormone for, for all the good reasons. Right. Yeah. But and in small doses, like I'm not talking about the the mass doses that are, what's a, what's a small, what's a small dose. I would say two to three units a day. Okay. So why can't I, the max I tried was four. Why can't you take, why can't you take GH? How does it affect your 
your diabetes? It makes you insulin resistant. Yeah. So, so immediately the, you're like, I mean, dude, I would take, I would try it just at night, even like just a nighttime dose. Yeah. Which I don't recommend for a lot of people because you know it can you can start messing with your natural growth hormone production if you only take it at night so i prefer morning sure well if i took it at night i would still i would wake up and be even more insulin resistant so my insulin just wouldn't work i would be like for a keto meal of just eggs and avocado and spinach in the morning no basically no carbs i would have me using as much insulin like as if i was eating a couple cups of oatmeal okay so it would just make me so insulin resistant. It, I was losing weight. So the whole point of taking growth hormone was it, there, there really was no point. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. If I don't have insulin sensitivity, I can't take a drug. And so I feel like that gives guys an advantage. Um, so to get bigger with my genetics, I probably just had to up the dosage on a lot of things. Yeah. I had never done that and yeah. just didn't feel comfortable doing that. So you know, it would have been nice, but that that's why I feel like type ones have such a problem growing is because we can get to a, an elite level, Yeah. but to compete with the other elites, there's certain compounds and things um, that they just don't have to deal with, which makes it yeah. so much harder on us, you know? What, and, um, <clears throat> what other anabolics affect type one? Like what, what anabolics would affect your insulin sensitivity? And when you, and when you're describing these things, are the, are they, do they affect everybody's insulin sensitivity or is it just because you're type one? Like I know GH they, does, they, but like. The, this is what I tell, I tell, you know, I tell um, a lot of my clients and people, most of my clients are not type one, but let's yeah. say like 10, 15%. Yeah. So all, all the dudes who, who I work with, yes, I, I'll say they do affect your, your blood sugar. Right. But you, it's just not a slap in the face because you have a working pancreas. So your pancreas is going to produce insulin you don't have a monitor on you that's reading to your Apple watch, telling you your blood sugar is raising And that some do nowadays, but not to get off topic, but yes, like Anadrol spikes the blood sugar. Right. So back when I was on that, I was basically almost no carbs and it would spike my blood sugar a little bit. Um, Things like um, the real hard stuff, like halo testing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It wasn't not, not good for you in the first place, really, but it would spike my blood sugar. Like yeah. it's like the more toxic drugs, uh, but all your basic stuff, all your like test and DECA and um, MPP or EQ and Prima Bolin, um, even Winstraw. So like that stuff doesn't affect uh, your blood sugar. Yeah. But the, it, that's what's crazy. The more toxic stuff does. And, okay. and, and, and now these peptides too, like I'm super interested in all these new peptides coming out. What's what works and what doesn't, what has, you know, the least amount of side effects, what's good for a longevity of a, the lifestyle of a, you know, a fitness enthusiast. Yeah. And a lot of them still spike my butcher. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so what do you think about guys doing insulin that don't need it? Like, how is that, like, when you, when you see that, is that terrifying to you? Is that normal or guys? Okay. Are guys taking way too much? Like one of the things that I never liked about insulin was when I did it, I always had to do more after like, after, you know, you get when I would start doing, I would get these crazy pumps. And then after like two, three weeks, I'd be like, I'm not really feeling anymore. I just feel like I'm getting fatter and fatter. So what is, what is your take on people using insulin that don't need it? 
I think um, there's, there is some research. First of all, it is, you know, the most anabolic substance known to man, right? And it has, it has its benefits. But if you don't have someone overseeing what you're doing, that's an expert, you shouldn't ever touch it because it literally could put you in a hospital. There, there's a lot of terrible side effects. But that being said, like, um, there is research that shows it can be good for a bodybuilder who is loading a lot of carbs, Yeah, you know, to keep you from becoming pre-diabetic or to keep your, your insulin levels healthy. There is, but it's, it's a small amount right? Yeah, it's a small yeah, amount. Like yeah. a guy, I think a lot of big guys that are trying to do like, you know, 700 to a thousand a day, yeah. that's when insulin could be good for you to help you avoid diabetic symptoms. Really? Um, okay. What do you, what do you think about like a long acting? I've always been curious about long acting insulin drugs, like, like Lantus and things like that, that don't, because I'm like, it, it common sense just makes like, it just makes sense to me where I'm like, okay, if I do one shot in the morning, it's going to take care of me all day long. Why is that what not like, why is that not the popular thing to do? Um, because, you know, this is where it gets a little, little scientific, but the, the rate at which the um, glucose will be absorbed into the muscle cell. Yeah. All right. So when, when you train and you deplete glycogen, all right. Um, you want to replenish glycogen as fast as possible. All right. And that's where insulin, uh, your fast acting comes into place. Okay. Now, like you said, basal or long acting, um, it, it's, it's not going to have that same effect where you okay. absorb glucose super fast. Okay. All right. Now th this is, this is where we get into guy. And it, a lot of do, a lot of people do that. They take metformin or they take a, a long acting and I just haven't seen anybody use it personally. They could be out there. Yeah. I haven't seen anyone use long acting. That's actually had a benefit from it. So I, I, but I meant it more in terms of like, I know if you're trying to get massive, what you're saying makes sense. Get it in, get as much carbs as you can as fast as you can right around training. But I'm talking in terms of, um, giving your pancreas a break. Would it, yeah. would it give my pancreas a break if I did? And I, I'm not, we're not prescribing anything to anybody. I'm just asking a question. <laughs> if you did a little bit of long acting insulin in the morning, would it help your pancreas stay healthy if you're eating five, 600 grams of carbs in a day? Or is it, I not? think, I think yes, but also get ready for some lows. You're going to in between meals, you're probably going to have some low blood sugar. You're going to be sweating, you're going to feel lethargic. You're going to feel a, a little bit of what I do every day, but it, it, I don't think it's the, the value that you're looking for is going to be worth it compared to yeah. just simply taking fast acting before and after a workout okay. for a max of like eight weeks. You know, um, you know, that's, that, that's what you had said is like, you know, why do I think it's worth it? I think bodybuilders just, you know, we, they tend to use way too much yeah. and for extended periods of time. Um, and everyone, everyone with the most amount of excess I've seen is like eight weeks. Then they don't touch it until the next year for eight weeks. Maybe a couple times out of the year, they'll yeah. do eight week cycles, but there, you know, no names being out there, but 
the, the pros that I know that have diabetic issues from taking insulin too long, they just simply took it for like, you know, three, four months. Yeah. And then they turn around and they do it at the end of the year for another three or four months. And I'm like, no, listen, you know, it's a slippery slope, but eight weeks is kind of the max cycle that I ever saw people get on, get off, actually get benefit from it. Yeah. You know, and properly cycle it. Okay. So when you, so going back to your competitive history, you were 30. What happened? How does it all play out? When, where'd you do your first show? You did the Europa. That was a hot body contest. <laughs> so, or, <laughs> sorry, I should rephrase and rename it a fitness contest, but what'd you do your first NPC show? Uh, I want to show, I want to show people what you look like while. Oh, while Oklahoma, while, Oklahoma Grand Prix. This is, this is you when you started. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that was doing like Navy SEAL fitness challenges and sprint what is, triathlons. What is this? <laughs> what is this? what is this thing right here? I was like, what the fuck? Sorry. People said that too. That's the first thing. Like people were like, what is that? I'm like, man, I think that's just where my quad was supposed to grow and it hadn't grown yet. <laughs> <laughs> just started and stopped. <laughs> so this is you. I'm sorry. How old were you here? I was probably like 20. Let's see. That was 2000. And I put there, I don't know. I was probably like 26, 27. Okay. So obviously very athletic. And then this is how long into your career, your, your Man, men's like physique career. 38 there. You're 38. I was ready for classic. Yeah. I was 38. So it's about 10, 11 years later. How old are you right now? I'm 39. I'm going to be 40 this year. Oh, so this is only a year old. Okay. Yeah. Year yeah two. That's last year. Uh -huh. Okay. So tell me what happened. So you did your first, your first NPC show where? This so men's physique hadn't even been out that long. There was yeah. only like 12 shows and I mean 12 amateur, maybe, maybe 20 amateur shows total. And Oklahoma Grand Prix had the last one and it was in October around like Halloween. So I was diagnosed. I was diagnosed. Yeah, that's that's some of my first shows too. This is what I was gonna say. This is local. It says local nationals. First show I won. This is the first show you won. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember how old you were here? 31, 30? I was, I think I was, uh, I think I was 30. You developed yeah. fast. I mean, this is a great physique. So this, I mean, most people don't start at 30, but, um, yeah. so this is 30 and then you won, you won nationals here. Thir 31. I turned, th I just turned 31. Yeah. And then Same here, year. and then this is where, what place did you take at the Olympia here? Uh, that was third place 2015. But look, what's funny. Look at those pictures. You can tell how like, the the gear changed <laughs> you know look at why, so look why? at the local level the yeah. local level yeah that's just test and anivar yeah very little very little water retention and that's a keto diet yeah then the middle is actually i won my pro car but you can see the like the up in the testosterone you can see yeah. the added you know water retention which You're i didn't fuller. know how to take off properly yeah and then you can see like okay actually cycling doing shit right at olympia <laughs> yeah i mean it also you could also just say this is it looks it looks like another 10 pounds of muscle yeah you know what i mean it could be just because you're 10 pounds heavier like there's actually 10 pounds more muscle tissue than because yeah. your, your structure is not very different from here to here i mean yeah. stru structurally you look i mean you're you definitely put a cap on your shoulders and your chest is much thicker but um, yeah, so, so the judges tell you know they tell you what to do work on and yeah i was born with a chest you know i was literally came out with a chest so <laughs> this had a built 
build upon that. Okay. So we'll go back to that. So you did your first show around 30. How long did it take you to turn pro? You were 31. You said when you won the nationals, I got, I got my pro card in nine months. Did you think this is it? This is my career. I'm going to just be a fucking pro physique guy and I'm going to earn money. And that's what I'm doing. No, no, heck no. <laughs> oh man. I feel bad for people who think that, if, you know, they, they get a reality check, but yeah. no, I, I honestly, because I had competed, you know, I, I got the diagnosis that you're type one diabetic. Then I did my first show eight weeks later. Yeah. Like I gained all my weight. I had lost all my weight. I was 185 naturally. And I got down to 145 and then they, they put me on the insulin and I had gained probably all my weight back plus another five pounds. Yeah. yeah. And then like, but that was, that's, what's crazy. So I like in 30 days, I gained all my weight back. I looked yeah. incredible. Like yeah. my skin, you know, imagine losing a ton of weight. Yeah. And then you gain it all back and your, and your skin is just razor thin. And yeah. there's not a feeling like it. No anabolic that could ever make me look that good no. because yeah. just, just being healthy. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but yeah, so I jumped in the show super quick and it was just funny how, like, I really didn't have to diet because I was also like, you know what I'm saying? Like going yeah. from sick with diabetes into a show, you know you're, what I'm saying? It was just, a you're already, trend. you're already lean. Just yeah. Out. yeah yeah i had no body fat just from not absorbing any food for the whole year yeah. but it took me nine months to get my pro card it was like a sprint and i wasn't thinking like oh i'm gonna this is gonna be my career it was i wanted to compete in physique to rebuild my personal training career okay. so i had already been a trainer for about eight years and um uh, i had lost everything when i was sick i mean i could i was so sick i could i lost all my money i had to move in with my dad I had lost uh, you know, every client except for a few. I couldn't even like hand them their weights. I was so weak. I mean, I this just, is when you first got diabetes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole time when I was training people, when I was sick, I just I had no energy to even train them. So I'd lost all my clients. When you were sick, did you know what it was, or was there a period of time where you were sick and you didn't know? I didn't know what it was for like six, seven months. Holy shit. Um, so I had, just... I had no insurance either. So I, I went to, my first step was going to a, a, uh, clinic to get checked for an STD. I thought I had like eight. <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> that, that, that's, that's what, you know, there's no education on diabetes. So like yeah. the only reason I knew it was diabetes filing is because one of my clients yeah. said, listen, my daughter has the exact same symptoms as you. Like I was peeing every 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and my, my, my face, was so dehydrated my lips were cracked the sides of my mouth were cracked yeah um eyes sunken in i mean plus i was 145 pounds i'm 215 220 right now yeah so i was 145 pounds so you know it was just trying to figure out where I mean, she had said that she said uh you know hey you're uh, you have the same sense as my daughter so i went and got checked and they were like yeah your blood sugar is like way over 500 so you know wow. handed me a pill didn't even hand me insulin yet. They handed me a pill and said, Oh, you're type two. I was like, okay. But then thank God just friends had called the right doctor. I had a doctor call me and say, Hey, listen, you were misdiagnosed. Yeah. Um, your friend told me to call you. You need to come in and get insulin. I'll, I'll help you out. And that the insulin immediately helped, you know, put yeah. weight on it. Yeah. Wow. So you dealt with it for that long. So you had a personal, you had a successful, cause I was going to talk to you about business because you know, from your Instagram, it looks like you're very successful. You have a nice home and, you know, nice things. So you had a successful training business. Has that primarily been your job like all along? 
17 years. This will be the 18th year this summer. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I've, that, I always just loved working out, making a job, that whole thing. You know, college didn't go well for me. Um, What'd you do in college? Uh, I was I was going for business, just a business degree, yeah. and went to a local junior college here in Dallas. Then I transferred, went down to Austin Community College, transferred into UT, finally made the grades, and I'm paying for my, all my college here. Yeah. And um, my first semester at UT, I failed every class. I paid for it, so I was like, I failed every class because I was working at a bar, working at Costco, and. I just knew like college wasn't for me, but I, I kind of personal training was starting to become like a yeah more yeah. common thing. Um, you didn't, I, I mean, we're like 20 years ago, you kind of had to have a degree. Like yeah. everyone, everyone wanted you to have a degree. So these certifications came out and I was like, okay, so I got NASM certified and, um, you know, got a job, but, um, so you're yeah, been training. So your personal training actually in the gym, it wasn't like an online coaching thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, then, in in the gym, the, the online coaching thing was nobody, nobody did that. There was like a couple of guys who had some awesome DVDs. Yeah. You know, Carlos <laughs> yeah. Juan Santana. I think he had bands and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. dude was like the legend. He was like making all this extra income. <laughs> but so yeah. So when you wanted to get your pro card, was it was there something? Uh, was there part of a passion about it? Like you wanted, like I want to win this thing, or is it? Was it primarily a marketing, like, you know, this is going to be good for my career, this can be good for my training, my training business, like, is that why you wanted to become a pro? It, I mean, it really wasn't just one thing. It was it was a complete balance. Like, okay. this, this is exact thing, you know, that I tell all the new guys coming up, they want to get their pro card. First thing I ask is why. Yeah. But for one, it, you really need multiple reasons. Um, and for me, that's what I that's why I think it, it happened quick. And I tent, you know, I got, you know, better placings and I got cool sponsorships and it really just was a fast track to like really just having fun yeah. and really making money is because I did it for a lot of reasons. I did it for my career. I did it for the marketing. I did it because I truly loved helping people and I inspired a lot of diabetics. So, you know, it wasn't just about like, me going pro because I think when you first competed, there wasn't a pro, there wasn't a pro uh, division. Yeah. So they came out with a, they announced the pro division and I was like, oh, okay, great. Well now I'll just keep going. I'll keep yeah. going and um, try to get my pro card. So, but really it was, it was an escape, you know? I mean, yeah. I, it was seriously an escape from my old life of just partying balls Yeah. and, yeah. you know, yeah, working hard, but playing way too damn hard. Yeah. Uh, it was an escape from, I mean, some of my best friends that I still, they're my, still my best friends, but they just, they were wild and crazy and I was the worst of all of them. So I yeah. needed to get a more solitude structured lifestyle as a type one. So it just, to me, it was an outlet, like to start a whole new chapter in life. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't have been more happy to do it, you know? So there was no like, Oh, I'm going to get chicks. Or, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm going to get sponsors. Yeah. You know, I didn't think any of that was going to come, you yeah. know, and what's funny, it kind of did, but yeah, but it sounds like almost, so you're saying, so, you know, I hear stories other like, you know, me and, um, you know, James or even me and Luke used to talk about how bodybuilding kind of saved them because they were troublemakers when they were younger. So you're kind of saying the same thing is like, you're a party guy, but also now that you had diabetes, it's kind of like solved a couple problems for you. Yeah. 
yeah, dude. It, it, I've never really kind of spoke about that. I mean, I have here and there, but yeah, I got in a lot of trouble. I was, I was a troublemaker. I went to, I went to jail. How many you times know, you go to, how many times you go to jail? I went to jail more than I can count, but was I stopped it, was counting it? like 30, <laughs> like over 30 by the time I was 21. Was it all drunk tank shit or were you like robbing and shit like that? I never got caught for the stupid ass theft stuff, but I hung around with, I hung around with people who, who stole stuff and we would break into cars and, and do really dumb stuff. Like it, you know, I, I'm extremely ashamed of it, but well, um, we all do dumb shit when we're younger. There's no need to, I'm not, I'm not asking you to be ashamed. It's interesting to just to hear where people come from sometimes and what yeah. leads the, what leads them to our path. You know what I mean? So yeah. It definitely was running from my demons, you know, running, yeah. running from, I already knew that I had, a, you know, I don't want to sound cocky, but I like, I believe in people understanding that they, we all have greatness in us. It's just a, where, where are you going to apply that greatness? Where, where's your best outlet to mm -hmm. live your best life and achieve your best self. Right. Mm -hmm. And mine was always working out. It was just the social life and the party and the drinking and the girls and all that stuff was always distracting me from being my best where I could have been exploring, like uh, expanding my training career on the weekends. I was always sh shit faced, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, just, I mean, having a blast, you know, but yeah. not necessarily I, the best for my career. I did a lot of that in my twenties too. There was a lot of, there was a lot of work real fucking hard. Cause I wanted to be a pro bodybuilder and I, I kept excelling, but there was a lot of play hard, like the weekends would roll around and I'd be like, fuck it. I'm going off. So, but yeah, in my it's like question, you earned it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my question though is see, for me, I'm good with it. Like, I'm like, you know, my, my wife will sometimes say to me, like, I don't want to talk about your past. Your past was shitty. And I'm like, yeah, but my past led me to who I am now. Like I'm able to be the guy I am for you now because of where I was. <clears throat> so, but I have no regrets. I have no, like, you know, some guys, some guys are like, they want to be that 20 year old for their whole life. Do you, do you ever feel like you miss those days or is that guy ever come back out of you or is he gone? Like he's just put to sleep, man, not, I guess it'll never be completely gone, but when it need, when that part of me needs to be gone or, you know, when I need to get my shit together, I have my shit together, but yeah. sometimes it'll come up and, sneak up on you because i mean there's a reason why you know drinking and partying is is a multi-billion dollar business i mean yeah because it's fun it's a release that lets you release it's just some people don't know how to release responsibly yeah so now i'll have a glass of fine tequila or or whiskey or you know i've got a nice little bar that you know i've put together in my house right yeah but I don't, you know, I, I can control that. Whereas before it was like, all right, call everybody over and card <laughs> night or game yeah. night or whatever, drinking turns into shots, turns into, okay, now we're going to a strip club. Now we're, mm -hmm. we're going to a club, you know? So it's just about doing it in moderation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I wanted to touch on, um, you put a post up yesterday about prices for, you know, actually, before we go there, I want to go back to your history because we didn't touch on you being a pro. I want to talk about men's physique and bodybuilding and why there's always like this rift. Do you, do you guys feel, 
when you were competing as a pro, did you feel like bodybuilders didn't give you guys enough credit or enough? Uh, there wasn't enough uh, respect given to what you guys did. I think from certain people, I mean, if I could just be honest, there's, there's always gonna be assholes in this world. Mm-hmm. Some people, some bodybuilders were assholes and some bodybuilders were, you know, I think treated us like just respectful humans, you know, they yeah. treated us normal. Um, some guys. Yeah. I mean, but I get where they're coming from because I was a person who always paid my respects to all the guys I looked up to. Yeah. I looked at bodybuilders as being, you know, veterans and being experienced and knowledgeable and something new that I was starting. So I looked at them as a wealth of knowledge and I respected everything good about them so that I could absorb it. It was, so I had, I mean, obviously I don't know why any physique dude would have. So when people were rude, like, you know, a couple of guys would joke here and there about at the destination here in town. Right. Yeah. And you know, I won't say names, but these guys are the top, they're top bodybuilders. Right. But they would make jokes like posting how many followers you got. And I'd say like, how, and then they would just kind of like, how in the hell does he got that many followers like this and that, like, you know, I'm like, I go back to my workout now, but yeah. I would be thinking like, that's why you don't have followers dudes because you're an asshole. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm like yeah. social media doesn't like assholes. Yeah. So, you know, it, I get it in so many ways. Like, but I was, I also can say I was the first physique guy that, um, Oh man, I would feel like the biggest dick. Say it. Say it. His name. No, no, the the writer, Huff. Um oh man. I'm so bad with names. Now I gotta look Peter Peter McGuff. Peter McGuff. Yeah, Yeah. he just passed away recently. Yeah. Yeah. So Peter, I've I've known him his wife since they did the interview, but like he went out of his way, and I was the first physique guy for him to to do an interview and write an article about because of the diabetes. So I took that, like that was respectful. Right. And he he even told me, he's like, I don't know a thing about physique. He's like, I'll be honest with you. I don't even know that it's necessarily the best division. He's like, I don't understand it. He's like, but I do respect what you're doing and what you've done to build your body. And I'd like to interview about it. And I was extremely honored. So like guys like him and um, Kevin Lavrone before his comeback, Kevin mm-hmm. Lavrone had reached out to me just backstage. It's like, Hey man, you got a good, he started just asking me about everything I'm doing. Yeah. And then, you know, he, he had found out I'm type one diabetic as, as well. And he had more questions about it and he actually helped, um, you know, went, came out of his way to, to help me for a show, you know, yeah. like peak week yeah. for a show. And, um, you know, same thing with Jay, Jay Cutler, Dex, like when you show respect to these guys who, who deserve it and earn it, yeah. They'll, res- they'll show res- respect back, yeah. you know, and because in a way I feel like physique is the little brother of bodybuilding yeah. and that's exactly what it is. So, so for guys to get their, to, you know, some of the physique guys to get an ego yeah. and start thinking that you, you, you know, that they're even with bodybuilding or even discussing that I feel like is kind of disrespectful. And you saw, you only saw physique guys do that when they started one making money because they did. Some guys started making six figure supplement contracts and you know, some guys are making two and $300,000 a year, but they let that get to their head because they're making more than this bodybuilder with endorsements because they're more relatable. It's trending right now. Yeah. They started to get a big head 
bodybuilders can feed off that. Yeah. So yeah. in a way, like they're both were just people just just being dumbasses. So uh, I'll avoid <clears throat> I'll avoid the personal the personal riffs because those aren't my questions. I have a few questions about physique as physique as, as as an open bodybuilder. I have a few questions about physique. Does it bother you? And they're kind of like yes or no question. I don't know if they're yes or no. You 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 answer how you want to answer, but does it bother you that there's not more posing in men's physique? Cause I think that would be different. Like one of the things I see when I watch men's physique, I'm like, there's not enough posing. Does that bother you or no? Did it ever, did it ever bother you? Yeah, no, it, it did bother me Okay. because that's why, that's why I was idolized as bodybuilding flexing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, creating angles, creating the, the artwork that you want to present yeah. on stage. Um, so that's why I probably never won because there was a, a the element of presentation and physique that I didn't care for. Yeah. And then I would get mixed. It, it was hard because I would get mixed feedback from the judges and they would say, post them. We like what you do. You post forward, back and get off the stage. Yeah. And that same time, that same year, other guys were starting to do more flamboyant routines and stuff that the crowd liked, yeah. which I think amped up the judges too. Yeah. I'm doing as I'm told. So it was, it was miscommunication from the judges and people don't understand. They think like the IFBB did make this new division, but that division was made by the early, um, what's the word? The early, just the early physique competitors. They made yeah. it like they kind of did what they want. Yeah. You know, um, they went on there. They're the ones that kept getting bigger. Yeah. You know, um, the judges would look at him and say, oh, we like that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I feel like th- this is the way a lot of new sports are made. It's like the early people within that sport, are kind of the people who groom and mold yeah. that sport. Yeah. And so I, I kind of, that's what and I put a lot on my shoulders as to like, you know, being good, good steward to the division, good being a good steward to IFBB, being responsible, yeah. being a good influence. And um, I think that's why they like me. But as far as the, the posing, like, yeah, it was frustrating because if you're not, yeah. if you really like bodybuilding, your heart's into bodybuilding, but you're wearing these shorts, it kind of messes with your head. A little bit. Did you do physique instead of bodybuilding because of the diabetes? Like you thought, okay, I'm never going to get that big, so I should do this. Is like, did you ever want to do bodybuilding? Like, did you ever think I'm going to do like when you did your amateur shows? Did you ever think I'm going to do a medium, like a, a middleweight class, and and do bodybuilding or a light heavy or something like that and see how it goes? Or did you ever? Did you just think that's not going to be for me? Personally, no. I never thought that I could get big enough. Okay. I mean, because okay. I guess being so new with bodybuilding and growth and development, I didn't foresee the fact that I was all going to be 230 pounds eventually. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it took me, uh, you know, to see 2011 when I started. So it took me about eight years mm-hmm. to punt on about, you know, 25, 30 pounds of quality muscle. Yeah. And so it wasn't until 2019. So I was like, okay, maybe I could get into classic physique. And I definitely had enough muscle now yeah. enough muscle to be top five or even top 10 in Olympia in classic physique. No, not that, not that I, I don't think, but to win a small show in classic physique, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, I could have gotten there, but so maybe you can answer this for me. Cause this is my other physique question. Some of these guys, including yourself have, well, I mean, you said you weren't necessarily big enough, but some of the guys now are big. Like they look big. They look, some of them look bigger than the classic guys. Why not? why do they want to compete in physique instead of classic? 
Like, does every every okay? This may be a bad. This may be a bad thing, but every open bodybuilder thinks that every men's physique guy is only there because they're not big enough to compete in classic. Is that true, or do some guys just like wearing the shorts? They like that class. They like being there. They want to stay there. There, there. No, there's definitely some guys that like physique, and um, it, the reason why is uh, I think it's. The situation, or it's a, it's a demographic. Certain yeah. cities and certain states, bodybuilding is is not as prevalent here in Texas. We have a good mix. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of physique guys. There's a lot of bodybuilders. Yeah, there's a lot of bikini competitors. There's a lot of female bodybuilders here. Yeah, um, almost. I've went through Canada. I think Canada is the same way. There's a really there's a good mix. Yeah, but yeah. you go to places like Cali, and Florida. Yeah. You know, I don't feel like there is as much. We'll just say Cali, for instance. Cali is, dude, they love physique and bikini. Okay. And that it's a, you know, it's a trending thing. Like that's what they like there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I, some of these guys that are too big, they do physique because they probably just, that, that's their best shot at, okay. you know, success. That's their best shot. Um, and for a while, it was, your, it was your best shot at really making some good money with social media and endorsements. Yeah. Um, you, you were just more relatable people. We're in a situation right, like that right now where um, you even have people who do calisthenics that are just blowing up. I mean, they don't lift hardly any weight. They only lift body weight. Yeah. yeah. And they're becoming more relatable right now. And, um, you know, that's that's that was big for me in building my social media was I'm, I'm just going to give away gold every single day. Like this isn't yeah. about me. I want to educate people on how to be elite. And so I would just constantly pump out my diet information and free information every single day. And instead of just being like, Hey, look at me, I'm yeah, yeah. shredded and ripped and whatever. So that's one of the, one of the, I want to get to your social media. Cause I think it's really interesting, but I want to ask before we move on from that, from the competitive days, was it, I know you say you, you're not fully retired, but I mean, we're kind of in the same boat. I haven't competed since 2017. And when people ask me if I'm retired, I say no, but it's like, it's been four years. Is it, is it hard for you to walk away? Okay, guys, we're back. Uh, we had a little bit of an error. I, I kind of had a tech issue and uh, me and, and Jason both kind of, I called him after and I said, I had a tech problem and we lost the second part to this interview. So we both went and worked out. It's as you can see where he is now, it's dark out now. Uh, but we're back. So we're going to try and continue the interview and um, get some more information. So I know you hung up, you hung up the, you hung up the zoom call and then you called me 10 minutes later. I was like, Oh man, you must really like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, and I remember when I called you too. I'm like, oh, I got bad news. I was like, we're uh, anyway, so, we're okay. both like, yeah, we got a lot of stuff to do. And you're like, Oh, Hey, uh, guess what? <laughs> it's all okay. good. So anyways, okay. So where were we? So, when we got cut off, you were, I had asked you if how retirement felt and if you were sure you're retired and what, it, what is it that gives you the itch to come back if you're going to come back? Yeah. So what we, we've had about six, seven hours pass and now my answer's changed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> saw a couple YouTube videos, went and hit a crazy killer back session yeah. and uh, like, no, I'm like, still... I'm still, you know, I, I love it. I, I really, in a perfect world, I wish I could do it all, but 
this wouldn't be a good year for me to try to, to come back and compete. Um, like I was saying, I, I will compete in something because I think it's good for me. And I recommend everyone out there, if you're a competitive person, like maybe um, you can't be a professional athlete, maybe you can't be a pro bodybuilder, or maybe you can't even compete in bodybuilding. But if you like to compete, we're trained to compete in something. Yeah. Like, I don't care. I don't, I don't, I love, like, I'll tell my boys that. And I tell, you know, my clients that, um, you know, it's good to train for something, train for a purpose, like yeah, whether, yeah. so I'll, I'll train, I think for some more endurance type events, you know, not any marathons, but I want, I like hybrid training. So um, I really do hope that maybe possibly 2022. Um, you really think my muscle, you really think you're 39 now, you said, so you think 41, you'll still be, See, for me, I always feel yeah. like the longer you're out of it, the less likely less likelihood that you're going to come back to it. Yeah. No, we kinda... saw that with another sport this last weekend, Conor McGregor. Everyone's saying he got his ass kicked. Yeah. He got knocked the F out by I a Louisiana know. boy, man. My but wife's I... from Louisiana, so I was pulling for that dude. But well, so was I, I bet against him, so it's all good. Ooh. Wait, I... wait, wait. I saw the bet. Yeah, me and Didn't Flex. did you bet Flex? Have... I happen to see that somewhere. Me and Flex Lewis had a bet because I've been asking him to come on the show for like a year. And uh, he keeps saying no for whatever reason. And so finally I had to bet him to to win. And it was was fucking awesome. The second he got knocked out, Flex messaged me. He's like, all right, when are we doing it? (laughs) So anyway. Um, Anyway, so. Yeah, Connor was stagnant. So you have a point there. I think that's very accurate. However if I come back, it's not like, um, my mindset's different. You know, a lot of the, I don't compete like, Oh, I'm going to win Olympia. I'm going to do it. I'm doing it for myself. I'm going to do it for my family. Um, I, I like to compete for many other reasons other than just to solely beat everyone. Um, I would do it. I just love, I love dieting, man. I'm one of those weirdos who I can do a calorie deficit. You know, sometimes I have to do keto and low carb to keep my blood sugar in check. And yeah, I just, I just love competing, man. I love, you know, and I've never got to put together a bodybuilding routine on a pro stage. So that would be yeah. great to be able to, to get up to like 215 on stage. I'm, I'm 215, yeah. 218 right now. That would be great. So, but 2021 is not the year, man. I don't, this isn't a good year for me. Yeah. Um, I wanted to touch on, we talked about social media briefly. Uh, you mentioned it and I want to show people kind of what your social media is. Cause I want to get into, how? Because I have a lot of people watching that are younger. I get messages from a lot of people that want to be sponsored. And, you know, social media is a big deal now. And you have a million followers. There's not many people in the bodybuilding industry that have a million or more followers. So how did you grow it? What do you think is valuable? What are people doing wrong and why? Because, you know, people say, well, it's because he looks good. But there's a lot of people that look good that just can't seem to grow their followings. So I think, you know, looking good is a base, but what is it that you're doing that's getting so many people to watch you and follow you that other people aren't doing? You know, if I had that, you know, I can only guess, but you know, really I'm, I'm super hard on myself. Like, I feel like I should have more followers. Uh, I have worked so hard and it became a full-time job, even when I didn't expect it to become a full-time job. Like I, I was just posting content about my, my nutrition knowledge or my training knowledge. I mean, being a trainer for, for so many years, you think about that stuff all the time. So it's easy to put out there in the universe. Yeah. So I would constantly put out information. And I mean, this is my tip is, you know, just what I've done, but I, 
I put out information that I felt like my demographic needed. I mean, I knew I had a lot of guy followers, so I put stuff out there that guys had just asked me for years. Yeah. And then, of course, I'm very, I, I, I answer my DMs. I'm engaged. I ask and I read and, and I answer comments and I read comments. Um, I spend time at night when other people are watching TV and or, or social, whatever. I spend a lot of extra time engaging with people. Yeah. Um, like, I don't just do Instagram. I also do Facebook and Facebook groups. The Facebook groups are key to building your group, your atmosphere. Yeah. You know, you need to be able to build people, whether you're a freaking TikToker that is dancing yeah. or you're a, a bodybuilder who wants to, you know, get endorsements, you, you're going to have to sell something and it's either yeah. yourself or you sell something for an endorsement. And, you know, a lot of, I feel like a lot of guys that can't build their following one haven't read a lot of literature on business and sales because yeah. you might not be selling a car, but yeah. you are selling yourself to all these uh, big companies. And some of them are sure. like we were just saying before this call, I've, I had to, I got a 17 page contract from a billion dollar company and this will be my third renewal with them signing this will be at the end it'll be three years yeah so i going into that i had to understand how you know what they were looking for um you know if it wasn't selling the energy drinks it was just being a good spokesperson for this company and being professional and um so they looked at my social media that's your resume nowadays they look at like who you are and when you're younger, you want to make a little bit extra money, plain and simple, like you need to understand how you're valuable to the company because people think that because you look a certain way or because you have a number of followers that you're guaranteed some type of money or endorsement. And really yeah. it just comes out like what, what type of value you're presenting mm-hmm. to these companies. And I, I, so you have to put the companies before yourself. Okay. And it wasn't like that, right? It wasn't like yeah. that with the like nineties and 2000 bodybuilders, no. they were, no. they were, they were spokespeople. They literally shot ads, um, worked their ass off. Right. And, well, and it was, it was more, yeah, it was more competition based. Right. Whereas yeah. now, now yeah. it's different. Like you said, now you're selling yourself. It was before I didn't have to sell myself when I started, when I started, I was just like, Hey, okay. He's got, he's done this, this many shows. He looks like he can be this good. Let's pay him this mm-hmm. amount of money. Now, like you said, they're going to check your resume, which is your social media. One of the things you said um, was you have Facebook groups, which I didn't know. How valuable is having a Facebook group? And what is your group? Is it just the Jason Poston group? Or do you have like a specific thing that you do on the group? And are those people translated over to Instagram? Like, do they go back and forth? I pull them from my largest source, which is Instagram to Facebook. Okay. You know, I have a Facebook fan page too. I started that. I remember feeling so weird. I'm like, fan page? Like, what the heck? I, I'm, I, like, I, I don't have fans, but they called it a fan page. I think now I it's a business page. But I, I definitely didn't think I was worthy of any fans at yeah. all. Yeah. And, you know, then you come to find out when you start winning IFBB shows, you definitely get fans. It's it's an awesome perk to have. And you're, yeah. you're blessed to have that. So, but I put people in the Facebook groups because those tend to be, and I don't put them there. I, sh- I shouldn't say that. They join the Facebook group because those are ten- tend to be your most loyal people. Those well, tend I, to be the people yeah. who are most likely to engage, comment, yeah. like, yeah. reply, share, yeah. save your stuff, do your workouts, buy yeah. your plans. 
buy your supplements. Those are the people who really respect you the most. So put them in a group of your most loyal people and pay attention to them the most instead of like people put so much free stuff. I've done it. Like I know I'm not criticizing other influencers, but people put way too much free stuff out there and they don't, they don't um, create another spoke away from themselves. We're like, okay, here's my people who really deserve the best content. Yeah. 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 Let me take care of them. And that's, that's what Facebook groups have exploded and they're, they're continuing to grow. So if you haven't done it yet, that's a, that's actually a really good point. I haven't done that. And I think, you know, what's really good about that is I feel like it's a, it's a much better way to uh, engage and be in touch with your, cause I, cause if people message me all the time, like, and I'm like you, I try and respond to all my DMS. I try and uh, respond to everybody who, who comments and everything, but sometimes it's hard, but when it's in a group, I feel like it's in one spot. And instead of re- replying to like 200 DMS separately, you can reply to everybody all at once. So mm-hmm. it's a really good point. Plus, I feel like you're, you're right. If they're the more loyal people to your following deserve a little bit more of your time. Yeah. So, I mean, we do giveaways and stuff like, yeah. uh, you know, I've seen you do some giveaways recently with the supplements or clothing merch and stuff like, yeah, that's some dope. That's some dope stuff. Like yeah. not, a, no, no offense, but not everyone deserves that. Yeah. You know, like yeah. there's people on there who literally will not support you in anything. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm big on loyalty. I'm big on rewarding the people uh, because I know what it's like to not be able to afford a lot of stuff. And, yeah. you know, um, I was great. So grateful when like, I mean, never, never won anything. We didn't grow up on social media, but if like when I won that fitness model contest, man, it was 500 bucks. Yeah. And I won BSN products for a year, but it could have been the lottery to me. It did could you, have been the lottery. Did you grow up well off or did you grow up poor? We grew up poor. Did you? Um, me, my brother, sister. Yeah, we're all five years apart. My mom didn't work. Um, and my dad would work a job. Sometimes we worked two jobs. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we, and we grew up in like a wealthy city. And then we had oh. our little, not poor, but just middle income to, yeah. to lower income area. Yeah. So I went to school with all wealthy kids. all my. Yeah. But then I had my little area that was low income. I mean, our house was built in 1912. We didn't have run, you know, run, um, I can't even, I can't even remember what we call it, uh, central heat and air. Yeah, and yeah, we don't yeah. talk about that yeah. now. Like everyone yeah. has central heat and air. Yeah. I yeah, guess yeah. Canada, Canada yeah. might be different because you guys don't necessarily need AC in certain parts, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, we, but, yeah, we do. It's, it's, still you gets, do? Okay. it still gets hot. Well, maybe certain parts up North, but, um, we're, anyway, I'm in Texas, a hundred yeah, no, something degrees and we yeah. didn't, we had air conditioning units in the wall and. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was, I wore girl shoes. My dad didn't buy me any cool shoes. If, if it was on sale, yeah. I wore, I remember my first track shoe was a, gr- a purple girl shoe. How many siblings? You, you said you have two siblings? Yeah. I have a brother, 10 years younger. He's a supplement. He owns a supplement store in Florida. Okay. Um, and then my sister is five years younger. Okay. And, so you're, uh, you're the oldest. Was, yeah. Yeah. So what do you, do you think that has something to see? The reason I ask is because we grew up, I, it's funny. We almost have the same upbringing. I, we grew up like f- family rich, but materialistically poor. Like we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of stuff, but my, my mom didn't work. My dad was a welder, kind of kept us all together. kept us like, you know, kept the clothes on our back, but I didn't have anything special. And uh, I wonder sometimes when you come from that type of upbringing, if that's what drives you to be so successful, like the way you are now, if that's kind of where it comes from. I think so. 
I think so because when I compare it to my friends who kind of were fed with a silver spoon, yeah, they it took them a lot longer to mature. Yeah. Whereas when I graduated high school, I was like, boom, I'm out the house. I'm I, I was already used to working. Yeah, I was working since I was 14. Yeah, and then during the summers I worked two jobs, so I was already used to hustling, making a lot of money, flipping yeah. stuff. In a way, I, you know, I was a little bit of a criminal too. I mean, I stole a lot of stuff and I would resell it. So. <laughs> I mean, I, I would have a job, but I would get jobs based on could I steal stuff and sell it. Yeah. And looking at that back, I mean, I definitely had my morals, which, yeah. which I yeah. knew I was doing wrong, but it was also a hustle. It was I was yeah. working at Journeys, stealing all the polo boots and <laughs> selling them at a school and making the five, six hundred bucks in a day at school. So like yeah. that thought process and that hustle uh, you know, even though it, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, ideal at the time, it, it kind of taught me how to do that in a legal way later. And so yeah, yeah. I think a lot of guys that grew up with that perspective of yeah. not being given much, only, only given what they truly need, yeah. they tend to appreciate things a lot more, you know, like cars and, you know, paying your bills yeah. and um, just extra, extra money, you know, understanding um, that, you know, you know, like for instance, um, you know, since, since no one really taught me how to make money, I went out of my way to start reading and buying books. I mean, my mom did teach me that she was a big reader, mm -hmm. so they couldn't give me money, but they could say, Hey, for Christmas, here is the encyclopedia of bodybuilding and a sales book. Yeah, I got yeah. that one year. And I was, that was one of the best gifts I could ever get Yeah, because I started my personal training career like two years later. And I came out the door, like booked my schedule at, at yeah. lifetime fitness, like in two months. Does your, did your dad work? What did your dad do? My dad, it was, a, a he worked for Xerox. So he was a copy, basically a copy repairman. Yeah. So when copiers were big, I mean, Xerox was yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. big company. So he drove around in his little van with the cage in the back yeah. and all his copier parts. And that's what he did. He had a company car and um, <coughs> dad was a big athlete. I mean, he was big on, super competitive guy. But, you know, my dad had his demons too. You know, I'm, I'm pretty vocal on my social media about it because it's important to me to be a good dad. My dad was, you know, angry, stressed out. Uh, just, I think he had more kids than he ever thought he was going to have and yeah. didn't expect the, the money really built up on him, but he turned to, to drugs and, yeah. you know, he's still, um, he's still hooked on drugs. We just did an mm -hmm. intervention on my birthday. And, uh, yeah. but, you know, people, I don't, complain about my past and yeah. use that as an excuse to be a certain way sure. i've always been the type of person who you know i i learned from that and that's my perspective is you know i've seen what it's like i've seen i've seen a lot of good fathers and i've seen bad fathers and um and that's why i'm like treat my my sons like gold i'm like i want them to have more than i had and and uh give them you know more guidance right because I, yeah. I, I feel like if i would have if I would have been had the right guidance, who knows, you know, I could have what I could have achieved. So. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think even though you said he had some demons, do you think watching him work hard and drive around in that little van or whatever? I feel like because me, me and a friend of mine were having this conversation about whether your work is the work ethic is something you're born with or something you view and absorb from watching others. So is that something yeah. you think you saw? Because for me, it was my dad. My dad was like, a fucking soldier. He would, he was a welder. He would go to work every day, come home every day, never missed a day, never complained. And, uh, that's where I think I get it from. So mm -hmm. 
even though your dad had his demons, is that something you think you picked up from him? Because you're obviously your work ethic is strong. Yeah, no, no, he, he, uh, not, not to totally discredit, you know, my father, my parents. No, he, he was a hard worker, nonstop. Yeah. Get up first thing in the morning. He would work that job all day, every day. And then, like I said, the house we grew up in was built in 1912. So they bought this house for $69,000 with no central heat and air. Um, the windows were broken. The wood floors had holes in them. This thing was not even livable. I don't think it was legal to live in this house. Yeah. And we bought it. They bought it to renovate it. And every day, so he worked his butt off to renovate that house. It took him 12 years and he did all the renovations himself. A lot of people that flip houses usually end up paying someone. Yeah. My parents did all the work themselves and they taught me how to do it too. Yeah. Uh, you know, as far as mudding, uh, mudding walls, uh, painting, scraping yeah. floors, re resurfacing floors, yeah. uh, a lot of woodwork. My dad did electrical work, plumbing work. He did all that stuff himself. So they, they sold it made like $300,000, yeah. but it took them 12 years. So definitely watching, you know, him work, but also saw like, how much he worked and how much of a toll it took on him. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I want to do something that I love my whole life. I don't mm -hmm. necessarily want to, you know, I don't want my work to own me. You know what I'm saying? So, so it's almost like you took the good from it, but not the bad. You kind of left, took the things you wanted, left the stuff that wasn't going to suit you when you're sitting at home and in, in what looks like a beautiful home with your kids. Do you think about that at all? Or are you like, look where I, cause, cause that shit runs through my head sometimes. I'm like, do you sit sometimes and think, man, I came from such and such a place and now I've done so much better oh, yeah. for myself. You know what I mean? Like, does that stuff kind of roll through your head when you're looking at your kids? Oh yeah. No, I mean, I mean, straight up, I've, I've gotten really emotional. Um, you know, like we, I could go on and on about this stuff. I mean, taking showers outside, we didn't have running water sometimes or our shower. We didn't have a shower or a bath. Yeah. Uh, it would be messed up. Like, so me and my dad would take showers outside. Yeah. So that, memory though uh, there's uh, many times every single month i'm sitting there taking a shower in my badass shower i mean it's not like <laughs> yeah. anything, anything yeah. it's not anything off of like i don't know million dollar homes or something yeah. but yeah. it is a nice shower and it freaking actually sprays and, it's and it works and it's, yeah and it works and i've got <laughs> my boys can actually come in there with there's a big ass space and we'll take yeah. a you know, the guys will all clean each other and take the showers. Family and all that. shower. But, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's like, yeah, I got a, I mean, I have a media room upstairs. I, I grew up, my friends that had media rooms. Yeah. I thought they were rich as hell. I thought they were the, <laughs> like, I was like, man, you're rich, Tommy. You know, like, damn, your parents are rich. And Dude. back then you were, but now it's like, it's a little bit more achievable Not, now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where I live, especially in Texas. I mean, the economy has been great. Yeah. So like I, I, I do the first time that I put the media room in there, I paid like 7,500 bucks, man. It was a lot of money, but still yeah. not the $20,000. I got a great deal on this, all the speakers and the 4k projector and this 115 inch screen. And the guy was all done. I sat in there with my wife, dude. And I just, I put on my favorite movie, which is Rudy yeah. and man, tears was coming down my eyes. Like, yeah, it, it, yeah. it's, but stuff like that, you need to be proud of yourself. Cause I've yeah. always given myself such a hard time. Yeah. I know there's a lot of guys like me that like, you don't celebrate your accomplishments. Um, Cause you don't, you don't want to brag. You don't want to seem boastful. You don't want to seem like you have an ego and um, you want to be humble, mm -hmm. but sometimes dude, with the right people, you need to just be like, Hey, I'm doing pretty good so far. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's the nature of our nature of our sport because 
we do things and it's like, okay, on to the next show or on to the next diet or time to get back to work in the gym or it's not, it's like the, the moments where you stop and pause are few and far between. I find I do the same thing. Like if I, for me, it's the home. Cause I didn't, we didn't grow up in a, in a big house. We grew up in a little, a townhouse for me and four siblings. Um, so it's the same kind of thing. Like we just finished our, our dining room and I'll sit in the dining room and think, man, we, we didn't even have a dining room growing up. Like dining room, dining room, <laughs> dining room, eat in the living room in front of the TV. That was what we ate. So it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's important to step back and, and, and enjoy and, and, and be proud of kind of what you've done. So that's kind of where I, where I want to ask that, but going back to your social media, I noticed uh, one of the things we discussed before was your is your social media. Well, I already know most people when they post on social media is very random. And one of the things that we discussed was uh, your posts seem to be very structured or you do have some structure to them. So I wanted to touch on that really quickly because I know we're going back and forth from social media to family and back, back, but I wanted to cover this topic because it's important that people know that these things don't just come about by accident and you actually have a plan for what you're doing in your social media and it's not random. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I had not lasered in and mastered social media and, and like Instagram when it first came out, I might not have these kids. Because <laughs> I, I was bro- I was broke. Who knows if my wife would have married me if uh, yeah. she would have, you know, if I would have been broke like I was in 2011. So, yeah. you know, social media helped me get my finances back together. And um, that I'm grateful for that. But there is a structure like um, the structure. It's always changing. So people need yeah. to adapt now to what social media gives us. Because yeah. Yeah. when Instagram and Facebook first rolled out and you could build businesses on them it was a free-for-all everyone was banking making a ton of money now it's harder because of the algorithm because of the ad spend they they want you to spend money on ads not necessarily build yourself organically so there's really two different routes i mean i guess there's no point in talking about when it started because you can't do that anymore yeah When, Yeah. when when you first started i would have so much better impressions and everything on my social media right i have more eyes yeah per followers. I mean, even though I have more followers now, I just had an overall better percentage of engagement. Sure. And um, so now that's why I have to organize things because I can't just throw something random up, up there and expect 15, 20% of my followers to see it. Yeah. You know, you have, you have to expect a super low percentage and um, you know, you, you have to do things in a timely manner. Like what time of the day is good for you? What, what, what's good for you yeah. is might be different for me. Sure. And, um, you know, plus managing other things. Um, I used to have a lot more time to just wing it and I could come up with some, some content and shoot a picture or shoot a video or even had more time to think before kids. So now, yeah. you know, I've understood, like I, I was showed you this earlier, just basic yeah. ideas from a meeting I had about changing my content schedule. So mm-hmm. Mondays always have something specific Tuesday. I have a general specific idea, but it's, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they're all different. Yeah. Um, but so there's, there's a little bit of randomness, but majority of it is planned general ideas each day to mm-hmm. be for me more just well-rounded. I don't, I was in that, you know, bodybuilder box and I was competing and it was great. 
Yeah. But now I have a specific agenda to be a little bit more mainstream. So, you know, I do post family stuff on purpose because I, people like that. It's not, it's not necessarily because, you know, some, I like it. It's because people tend to engage better. Like yeah. they love pictures when I post pictures of my sons. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was telling you earlier, even when I post something about my lifestyle or yeah. my beard recently, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's with a with an intent to capitalize on my market. A lot of guys are growing out their beers right now. A lot of guys don't use beard grooming products. Yeah, I'm endorsed and I work with a beard grooming company that it's killing it right now. Yeah. So I post something about my beard, but I'm not all, you know, so I, I, mean, I have that in my schedule. Right. So when I look at your. So going back, <clears throat> when I look at this, I know also notice you, you're very self-deprecating. So you like make you post stuff like this, which is kind of making fun of yourself. Well, actually, you're making fun of your wife in this one, but it's, it's funny that you don't mind looking like this to to get a laugh, which is cool because a lot of people don't want people to be too serious. But um, what I noticed is, along with the humor, it's a lot of relatable stuff. But when you're posting this, somebody else might look at this page and think, "Okay, this is all random," and then. This is a, a, a paid, uh, you know, he's doing this ad for this company and this ad for this company, but the rest of this stuff is all random. Is this, is it random or did you plan? Okay. These are my workouts. I plan to not planned like in a disingenuous way, but like, you know, I'm going to post a picture of my son because it's relatable and other guys have kids. And are you thinking about those things before you post these images and these videos? Yeah. Yeah, I, I am. I mean, there's, I kind of try to think of a ratio and really the idea started from one of the best social media gurus, uh, Gary V. Okay. You know, he talks about, you know, his, his book, uh, I forget what it was, it was jab, jab, hook. And so yeah. I just kind of related that to my own life. I'm like, yeah, I understand. I mean, jab, jab, hook, hook to me, jab, jab, hook to me means like, you know, throw some subtle things that people can relate to that aren't over salesy and aren't pushing people away like there it's the jab is made to get them to come back and then the hook is like okay you, you might throw something a little bit more salesy yeah. so in, in reality my ratio will be like jab 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 hook <laughs> yeah. like i'm doing i'm doing a lot of giving yeah i'm doing yeah. a lot of things because that's what i really like none of yeah. us really like to do like Hey, hostile supplements, 20% off black Friday special. I know, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. buy one, get one free. Hostile. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like, listen, guys, I made this. I, I, I know. I'm, like, I know how you are. You made this stuff to be the best quality you can possibly make it. And yeah. like, you've been in the self ministry. So you want yours to be competitive, if not better than everyone's. And so like, you don't want to have to sell it. And that's the same way I am like with my coaching. Yeah. With, you know, my sponsor, like I'm with rain. I freaking love rain. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, they, rain, um, is, uh, one of those companies where they don't want you to be so salesy. They just want yeah. you to, um, if you, they bring people on board who love their product and you know, you just, you just got to kind of organically talk about yeah. the product and show how you use it. You mm -hmm. don't need to sell it. And so it's a great endorsement, but you know, I don't, I, that's great. But then some other companies you work with, they're like, man, they're, they want you to be a salesman. And yeah, so, yeah that's where you have to get, you know, you, that's where you need to read your sales book. Like, how can I sell stuff without being annoying? Yeah. You know, hey, and, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying that that's a big part about social media that a lot of people don't talk about is like, yeah. Oh, you want endorsements. Okay. Well, do you know how to sell anything? Yeah. You know, yeah. You know how but your, but your strategy, 
is not how most people would go about. Like if, if you said to somebody, do you know how to sell something? They don't realize what you said, which is, you know, the book is jab, jab, hook, which is, you know, give, give, then sell. And you realize through your social media, that you can't do that. And I don't think anybody can do that. I think, I think if every third post was a sell, people would stop following you. So you kind of had to learn your own technique, which is like, give, 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 sell. It's like four or five, six posts before you can sell. Um, so I don't know if it's more about sales or just more about having, I mean, I think it's about sales. Yes. But I also think it's about having a, a feel for what your followers can handle. Like every, all, like all my followers know I want to tell everybody about my protein and tell everybody about my supplements, but they don't want to hear it every day. So they're like, how much can they handle? Can they handle it once a week? Can they handle it once a, every four days? So it's almost like you have to find a perfect equation. Would you, would you say like how much yeah. is too much? Yeah. Like, you know, telling is not selling. You don't want to tell them about something all the time. I mean, you show them, I mean, you, yeah. um, we, we both, uh, <clears throat> keep, have kept our physiques, even though we've been off stage for a while, we've kept, we haven't let go of ourselves. And so there's, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't, I don't do that on purpose. That's just my lifestyle. And so yeah. like, yeah, you know, um, just showing just kind of showing them what you do naturally um and organically before you just have because i i honestly i do have to kind of tone down a little bit i'm a very big uh, like detailed guy like for yeah. like we'll talk about supplements supplements dude i could sit there and talk about the formulas and everything about how one product is better than the other mm-hmm. and we could break mm-hmm. down uh, flavor profiles and we could go over so many different things. Cause I'm interested in that. Yeah. My people are not that interested. They just, they just like, do you take it? Does it work? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and someone recently told me that, you know, in our meeting, they're like, dude, you're getting, you don't need to talk about formulas all the damn time. You don't need to talk about clinical dose of creatine and beta alanine and, yeah. and uh, carnitine. And they don't need to talk about all these different things that most people don't give a shit about, you know? Yeah. Um, and I hate that because like, I want people to understand why something's better. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned is that the average person, unfortunately, really doesn't care. There, now there is maybe, I think your podcast, you're going to have a lot of people who do care. Yeah. It depends but, on the, it's, like you said, depends on the, de- the demographic. But when you have a million followers, do you ever think to yourself, and this may help people, somebody listening to as a hundred followers. When you have a million followers, do you think that maybe, 20% of them do want to know what's in your pre-workout. They do want to know what is the clinical dose of X, Y, Z. And, or do you just think, let me capture as many people as possible with each post is, or like, do you know what I mean? Like is, can a post be directed at a small demographic? There is a percentage that do want to know that. And you know where those people are? Hmm. Your Facebook group. <laughs> ah, that's right. Those are, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's, that's, and, uh, and this is what I've started doing about the last year and a half. Like, there's uh there's there's so many levels to this social media stuff yeah, nowadays yeah, right i mean yeah. honestly like you and i and, and all these other people who, who have built business we're trying to catch up to what they've done on like tv and commercials and ads yeah for decades right but yeah. now we're doing it ourselves and um y- even though i think like you know social media has the power right now as far as the overall views and impressions with mm-hmm. ads and, and selling stuff we still have a lot to learn from that old, that old, uh, generation. Yeah. So 
but yeah, like the people who do want specific, very detailed information, those are the people that are in, you know, like my Facebook group. Man, and, you know what? I'm learning. I'm learning from you. So I'm, whoever's watching has to be learning because now I'm learning. So I'm going to start a whole new group as soon as we get off. You just got to get someone to manage it because I did. I, and I didn't mention that to you too. Like some people are too busy. So like um, I recently have taken on my Facebook group, but maybe about eight, nine months now I'm doing it all myself. It's so yeah. much work, Is but it? yeah, for the average, the person who's got multiple businesses and multiple streams of revenues. And, and it's, of course doing podcasts and all, yeah. you got to have admin that can run it. Yeah. And uh, the cool part is some of the people become so loyal in your group, you can make them an admin and you can create their title. Like maybe they can't, you don't give them access to delete it or anything, but they have, they have access to be able to accept posts and add new members and Mm -hmm. invite other people. And so they can be like a a lower level admin. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that the the Facebook groups are endless, man. We could probably do a whole podcast on that. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I just, uh, I got a little selfish there. I was taking my own, trying to get my own advice while I have you. Uh, Um, anyway, all good. So let's, uh, I want to go over one more thing before I let you go. Um, we were talking about insulin and I, I noticed on your, I noticed on your Instagram, you posted a photo or a video of a woman that was in tears because she couldn't get insulin for less than like a thousand dollars or $700 or something like that. So what is your, um, are you just trying to create awareness for people that look, this is what's going on. You know, this is a, an illness that people have that, you know, they can't afford this to drugs for their kids. Like what is it about? Is it just an awareness thing or do you have more invested in telling people about this? Um, Yeah. I mean, honestly, a lot of people don't know. I haven't really been public about it, but yeah, I have been involved directly with the American diabetes association, um, certain political parties and presidential campaigns. Yeah. Um, even both sides, both in America, you know, we have Republican and Democrat two party system. You know, I think it's, yeah. we won't go there, but I think we need to change that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I was in contact with Michelle Obama. Okay. About um, a campaign to reduce childhood diabetes, mm-hmm. which failed. And then also not, not for diabetes, but in, in, involved with Trump's campaign as well. Okay. Um, so like, I'm not some camp political expert, but I do have a heart for things just simply being fair and affordable for everyone mm-hmm. as far as drugs, medication, yeah. especially, especially stuff we got to live off of. So I, you know, I have to, I need insulin to live and it's gotten just crazy high. So you've got, when I post about it, I get in, insane feedback because it is something that's important to everyone. And unfortunately it sucks. Like some people just get, God, dude, they can't have normal conversations about shit that's important like yeah dude like why can't like me and you might have opposing arguments but like man social media is open the door for people who are just stupid man they can say whatever they want right yeah and the whole point is i just simply want insulin to be affordable yes for myself but especially for the elderly the low income um children and that video that woman couldn't buy it because her prescription was a thousand dollars she has insurance She's had a job for 17 years and she can't afford to buy the insulin for her newly diagnosed kid because mm-hmm. it's a thousand bucks. And yes, in the States, some, some stuff gets, a, becomes that way. It's a top tier drug. People throw insulin in there. Not all, like we talked about this earlier, yeah. not all insulin is equal. There's like low level crap insulin and there's top tier good yeah. quality insulin. That's yeah. what I take. I take the top tier stuff 
Yeah. And it, I put it on the post. It can go anywhere from like 700 to $2,000 a month if I paid cash. Yeah. So that was important to me because I do pay cash for insulin right now, which I had a coupon and subductions in place when the, you know, Trump was president. And now that whole post was about the new president um, freezing that, that policy, or they call it executive order. He froze it. Yeah. And I was just, I, I didn't think it was right to freeze anything that's going to save a lot of people money. I don't care if there's a transition from one president to another. I don't care who it is. Let's continue this executive order to make it affordable. And so, you know, I plan to be, you know, raise more awareness about it. Yeah. And, um, you know, in my Facebook group, the CEO of American Diabetes Association, which is a massive organization. Yeah. Yeah. She's actually a member, you know, a member of my Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's important to me, you know, while we're here, I mean, it's not all about just simply for me, it's not simply about working out and bodybuilding and, you know, cool cars and, you know, vacations and all that stuff. You know, sometimes there's some stuff that we need to talk about and, you know, we need to raise awareness. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now is just raising awareness. I want everyone to understand that insulin is just insanely expensive in the States. Mm-hmm. and um, we need to do something about it. Yeah. I think it's crazy that people can take an opposing opposing position to that. Like it's such a harmless, like it's not a controversial thing you're saying, like drugs should be cheaper. Everybody should kind of be on board yeah. it, it is what I would think. I mean, so it's sad that you're I'll, getting. I'll, I'll, I'll say it could be my fault. could be my fault because <laughs> I'll, I, well, I criticized, I criticized Joe Biden. The new president. Yeah. Order. Like, okay, so you know, I, I do put a lot on my back. I don't care. You know, I will try to put things very gently, you know, yeah, but you're yeah. always going to offend people with whatever. If you criticize someone and someone likes that person, then they're going to hate you for criticizing them. Yeah, yeah. But the point, like, like you said, the main, the main goal, I don't care who's president. I just want affordable insulin mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to continue to talk about it. I'm going to continue to post about it. Obviously the engagement was crazy high on that uh, post. It's something that people care about both diabetic and not. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, you know, raise some awareness for sure this year. Okay. Well, listen, before you go, you mentioned cars a couple of times and I'm a car freak. What are you driving? I have to know. Dude, we, uh, I went, I went, you said uh, you were going to buy a truck, Texas. but I never, I never, yeah, heard. I went, well, I, where I live in Texas is like Truckville. There's, yeah. You know, it's not, I'm not in Dallas anymore. I'm at the top of the Metroplex suburb. It's it's a fast growing city with construction everywhere. So like I had some cool cars and I sold them because they're just not practical where I live. There's like (laughs) nails in the street. What did you have? Okay. What did you have? I had a a Porsche Panamera GTS. Nice. And I love, I mean, that's a driver's car. Like, I mean, I, I never in my life thought I would have any type of Porsche. Yeah. So I had that and man, that thing was fast as hell and smooth and it's just a nice car, loud, yeah. you know, it's a Porsche, all the buttons inside. It was just a great car. And then, um, then I went and actually got the new G wagon. Nice. And, um, the, yeah, it was crazy. Like I was, uh, it, I don't know, it, it, like just, just the, I had, I had to kind of check myself because I, I had, a, I sit there, I got my wife an Escalade. I've got a Porsche. And then when I went to go to the G wagon, I didn't even turn in the Porsche because I refused to trade it in because they were going to give me a shit deal. So I just kept it. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
here I am. I'm like, dude, this is not the, this is not for me. And you know, I'm very, <laughs> I'm very honest. Like I'm not that materialistic. Wait, and I, found then, I found it. I found it. I found it. <laughs> Boom. That's not, is that, is yeah, that it? That's me selling it. No, <laughs> you can't sell that. It's beautiful. I know, man, but it, here's what I say. Yeah. I, I, I'm very, very, dude, I, I will critical of myself, right? Next time I get that, I'll buy it cash. All right. Okay. That's Next fair. time I get it, I'll buy it cash because yeah. I was, I was, it was a step for me just being a poor kid and also having zero, not a dime to my name in 2011 yeah. to 2020, uh, buying a brand new, you know, G wagon that people are on a list for, for two years. Yeah. And I got yeah. that car in four months. I built it, built it online. My friend at, at Mercedes expedited it, put me above everyone like PGA golfers and NHL and NFL guys. Right. And I got mine super fast. Yeah. So yeah. It, I, the only reason I bought it too was because I knew I could make money. So I drove that thing for over a year, put 11,000 miles on it and sold it for $20,000 more than I paid for it. Nice. So, so yeah. I had paid a little consignment fee to the guy who sold it for me, like 4,000 bucks, but I walked away and made $16,000 on my car. In my world, if you can get out of a car and not lose money, then you're way ahead. If you make money, that's a unicorn. Cause it yeah. doesn't, that doesn't happen very often. So super rare. Yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, it, it wasn't hard to let go of it either. I mean, only because where I live, I couldn't keep it clean. Yeah. I've got twin boys that will tear it up. I just got, I got a new big ass dog. He's, he's my best friend, but I couldn't put him in it because he would drool yeah. and tear it up. So it yeah. just wasn't practical for me anymore. So I sold both his cars and I'm happy to, and now I drive a, you know, a diesel truck up here and, that's what I saw you got your diesel yeah. truck. I was like, yeah. oh, you went with Ford. I went with GMC. What do you think? You like and, it? Yeah. Are you going to lift it or are you leaving it stock? No, I'm going to lift it. All right. I'm going to lift it. I've got, I'm working on, um, I want to get in the truck world. So I'm working on sponsorships. I got like four sponsors on board. You're going to get sponsors for like truck mods? I got to try, man. I got to try. Like, I tried, tried that. They're like, ah, your market's more bodybuilding. I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, it's still followers or followers, but no, it's, uh, yeah. that's cool though. Um, listen, I appreciate you taking the time, man. I know we had kind of a messed up day, but, uh, I appreciate you coming back and kind of finishing up the podcast and, and, uh, it was great. Yeah, man. No, no problem at all, man. It's always, I'm honored to be on, on board. So yeah, I was grateful to, to come on here. So appreciate your time All right, man. Too. We'll, uh, we'll do it again soon, hopefully. And uh, I appreciate the time, Jason. Thank you so much. Okay, brother. All right, man. You too. Later. Bye-bye.